Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody, and happy Monday to you as we start a new week here on the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory, all you need. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, or go to sunburymotors.com. And today's show, like every Monday show, brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, or go to purdyinsurance.com. Home, auto, life, business, all your latest insurance needs to protect what matters most. Visit them online at purdyinsurance.com or call their office today on Market Street in Sunbury. Another tremendous college hoops weekend nationally and locally. And I'll tell you what, if... The Patriot League tournament has anything, any indication of how crazy March Madness is about to be, as I've said before. Look out, buckle up, everybody, because this is going to be an insane March Madness. Maybe a March Madness unlike any other. We'll get to the Patriot League in a second as Bucknell moves on. But of course, for Penn State, the next night, down 16 points last night to Maryland, who's been one of the hotter teams right now in all of college basketball and, of course, in the Big Ten. Down 16. What a game for Seth Lundy. Then those couple big shots at the end and Penn State with exactly the kind of momentum they would need to go into the Big Ten tourney. Yeah, it was a big win last night, obviously. No question there, considering the spot that they're in. Well, I mean, look, it's just a big win just in playing a game. It was a big win. Uh, and that's that was a big part of it. But I mean, just playing a game is a big win. Where you go in there and you're behind. Look, normally you've got a comeback in you. It's really difficult when you have to have two comebacks in you, and it's really hard when you got three. You have to have a th- third comeback in you. One you can do. Two, okay. Boy, a third one doesn't happen that often. You're down 12 nothing to start the game. Matt continues to play Minecraft on his computer. Uh, and, and that was, again, another big part of it is that, you know, you're down 12 nothing. You finally you battle back. You get within six. And then you fall back. 
And then, see, I mean, because you're down 16 at one point. So you're down 16, you battle back with to get six. Boom, and you slide back down the mountain. Then in the second half, get off to a good start, and then you fall behind like 14. And you battle back to within. In fact, they battled uh, from halftime. They battled back to within, what, three, and then fell back to 14. So comeback number two comes up short. At some point, if you're going to win the thing, you got to take the lead. Somewhere in here, you got to take the lead. Okay? And then finally, the third comeback. The third comeback then happened. And that is, uh, and not only that, Maryland scored only 11 points the final 11-24. And uh, Penn State scored 30 points the final 9-37. I think that worked. And it's a night where Lundy, Lundy had scored 30 points in seven games. Scored 31 last night. Okay. You just don't know. You just don't know along the way. Now, great win, by the way, for Bucknell. Oh, yeah. Beat Lafayette. I guess we have another classic Doug call. Yes, we do. We'll share that coming out of the uh, break here. But we do. There There are many to choose from, by the way. Doug was... Very much on fire and ready to go. I would not say rare form, <laughs> because Doug is always in form. Oh well, as we talked, you talked about with Coach Davis, and he'll join us tomorrow at three thirty-five. John Meeks got, makes a makes a big difference for this team. Thirty-one for the game, sure twenty-three in the first half. Yeah, he does. The uh, now we've got Dave Revson today. Uh, we have Mark Brennan today on the show. And Matt Leon tomorrow. Dick Girardi tomorrow. And, we, and then uh, Coach Davis on Wednesday? That's all right? We have Coach Davis tomorrow. Tomorrow. Coach Davis tomorrow. Nathan Davis and Dick Girardi on the same show. My goodness. How much more could you ask for? And they play Wednesday, right? Yep, Wednesday night at Colgate. Now, where is the women's team? Women's team won yesterday. Um, I would say minus a couple lapses here and there from not playing in a month. They did pretty well against Loyola and, and beat them by 15. 65 to 50, and they will host on Thursday night for a fifth matchup this year against Lehigh, and they've won the previous four. All right, now remember this, okay? But remember this. I'm glad there's a gap between games, but keep in mind <sighs> the gap between games is going to help. But that second game back is a little problematic 
based on what I've watched and observed this season. It's a little problematic because uh, you're not your legs aren't in game shape. Now, the fact that it's Thursday and they've got a gap between games, I think that really, really helps. But I've watched so many teams now. I mean, it, it, Penn State in hockey. Remember the other day I was talking about, hey, they're finally back. They're playing for the first time since January 29th. And I said the first game they're going to have adrenaline. The second game they may really struggle because they're back-to-back. And, of course, what happened in the second game? They lost 7-1. to Because, again, you're not – your legs just – I mean, you, you your mind keeps telling you, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And the legs are saying, I'm trying, but I just can't do it yet. Big problem. Uh, women's team will at least have a gap between games. I think that really helps. When Penn State in basketball had to do it, they played on a Sunday and came back and played on a Tuesday. Mm, boy. And both games were on the road. That didn't help. Wrestling, Iowa wins the team title, crowns four individual champions. But this is a case of this is the older veteran Iowa team. The second place team was the young team, and that was Penn State. Six freshmen, redshirt freshmen wrestling, only three upperclassmen wrestling. Penn State gets nine into the NCAAs. They crowned two individual champions, Aaron Brooks, back-to-back champion, and Roman Bravo Young. Nick Lee is a finalist. And Carter Sirachi, talk about talented freshman, he's a finalist. I also thought that if you look at the, the game within the game, the young wrestlers did a great job of wrestling their way back So the veteran team in Iowa wins the title and crowns four champions. The young team gets two champions and second place. Now we'll see what what happens in the next 10 days to get ready for the NCAAs in St. Louis. And then your guy Jeffrey Lurie made his big statement today. Yeah, the most coherent statement all season. His exact quote was as follows. He sent a message to his personnel department and general manager, Howie Roseman, that he wants to do everything he can to help Jalen Hurts be successful and not bring in somebody to compete for the job, said Chris Mortensen. His exact quote was, we have a new head coach in Nick Sirianni. We have a big-time critic that I agree with in Matt Catrillo, and the owner (laughs) understands what they want and how to get it. And he spelled your name with two L's. Very good. Brownie points. The fact that you made it into an Eagles memo <laughs> that really brings to the front the impact that you have now had on that franchise. <laughs> they don't call me the ultimate Eagles fan for no reason. You have become a force. (laughs) 
Today's show is brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Dribbles behind his back, spins in the lane, hit the ball knocked loose, picks it up, got hammered, put it up no good, got it back, good! And he was F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells foul <laughs> That's my man! That is the Duggar. He is in high postseason gear. Uh. Yeah. What bothered me is that the, like, the, the suit's sitting back in the corner office right now, and he wants us to play it back because he was trying to write down the spelling. F-O-U-L-E-D, I, uh... that spells foul. Was that E-D? F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells foul. <laughs> I think it sounds like it's F O U L E D A H. Falda. I do such a plain broadcast. <laughs> the duh is the uh, Doug birdsong syllable. Is, that is. Dugger, you're back. You're back. Well done, Doug. Well done. Beautiful. All right. Um, so we talk wrestling. We talk basketball. Uh, the end of the uh, Iowa-Wisconsin game is something that needs discussion. Because, look, not what Greg Gard said. It's nothing to do with Greg Gard, okay? Nothing to do with Greg Gard. Because he made a lot of comments in the post game that, you know, we'll see what the conference wants to do with it. And so let's see what the conference wants to do with it. It's all the monitor reviews. Do you realize that the last 60 seconds of that game, the last 60 seconds, one minute, took 19 minutes and 10 seconds to play? Man, you can't have that. You cannot have that. Okay, that uh, look. If you can't go to the monitor and in thirty seconds figure out what the heck is going on,
if it takes that long to do it, it's just not worth doing it. And they kept going on and on every time you turned around. It was at the monitor. Now, what what Greg's complaint is, was about was the treatment of Brad Davison uh, and the hook and hold and what happened there. And but you can't keep slowing the game down. And, and my complaint about uh, about the rules, it's not the officiating, but it's the rules part. Right? So this is not an anti-officiating at all on my part. This is about the rules. Because the officials are trying to follow the rules that are put in place and the points of emphasis. College basketball has to get away from being the, the one sport that seems to take away offense. I mean, people, I mean, I realize when you get to a certain point, there's three minutes to go, four minutes to go in the game, and it's the margin that means more than anything than the actual score itself. I mean, does it matter if the final score is 98-93 or 38-33? Now, when it's all over with, the perception and aesthetics mean something, but it's the margin. Is it a one-point game with a minute to go? Is it a three-point game with 45 seconds to go? How many possession game is it as you hit down the stretch? I mean, those are things like that that you talk about in the broadcast. We talk about two-for-ones. We talk about possession game and so forth in the broadcast all the time. But when you watch the game, dribble, handoff, okay? moving screen, foul. I'm sorry, you have to stop calling that. Now, that did not happen one time in the Penn State game. Nothing, not one time. But you have to stop that. Okay, again, it penalizes offense. I block charge. How many times do you see charge, 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 charge? Most of these are blocks. Okay? you got to stop making rules, which then force the officials to make calls, to take offense out of the game. Just got a note from the suit, a text message. He missed the next letter after L and fouled. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business. They have all sorts of insurance and they're plugged into all of them. They'll do everything that they can to save you money. Sometimes it may be bundles, but they'll do every, they, everything they can to save you money. It is all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So, um, 
text from the suit. Actually, what was the letter after? He has F O. What was the letter after? After O. F O U L E D. That spells foul. Uh, he didn't have the U. Uh, okay. I just... Sad. That's very, very sad. All right. Uh, another classic Doug. It's just classic Doug. I love it. There's nothing like classic Doug. Nothing like it. All right. So let's get to, uh, we're going to do this in an order here. And the order is as follows. Uh, We're going to talk some basketball, then we'll talk football, and then we'll get to Ali Frazier because today is the 50th anniversary of that. Mark Brendan can talk about all that. Mark, great to have you with us. And I'll start with the basketball part. When you watch a team that started out 0-5 in the Big Ten, has gone 7-7 in the last 14, uh, what are you seeing in this basketball team, especially after that comeback last night? I think resilience. I mean, I, I think the, that game was a microcosm of the season. Uh, and I think that, the, 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 you know, to, to me, um, I think you have to give Jim Ferry all the credit in the world. Listen, he inherited a very difficult situation. Uh, I can say this, uh, that I felt that the athletic department did not handle the situation uh, with with, uh, with when Pat Chambers was kind of forced out and the way it was communicated to the players. I thought they did a very poor job with that. And I think for Jim to hold this team together after that and then after the five-game losing streak to start Big Ten play and then you have a four-game losing streak later in Big Ten play, it would have been easy for these guys to pack it up and say the heck with it at any moment. And guess what? They didn't do it. So I, I really think you have to give Jim and his staff and the seniors on this team. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Steve, but I was talking to somebody else about this. When I look at John Hara, I think of the, the two most improved players at Penn State that I can remember. You have a better memory than I do. But were Bruce Blake yep. in the late 1980s mm-hmm. and then Jeff Brooks. Yeah. Uh, you know, who, who was a part of that 2011 team. But to me, Brooks was a sensational athlete. You kind of always knew it was going to be there. So down to, to Blake and Hara for two guys who, by the time their senior year rolled around, had improved exponentially from when they were freshmen. And I think there's just a lot to be said for what he, for, for what John was been, has, has been able to do with this program. I, I think he is what he isn't the leading scorer uh, by a long shot. But I think, you know, you look at that game, I think everything with this team revolves around him. And I mean that in a positive way. And so I think those two things, uh, to me, are really, you know, why you've seen what you've seen out of this team. And that's what it's always interesting when you see seen. Now, Blake was an interesting guy because when Blake was here, I talked to Bruce Parkhill when Bruce, was, when, uh, Bruce Blake was a freshman. I said, said, what do you see from him? When do you see him maybe starting to move up? And he said, by the time he gets to be a junior. And, and Bruce Parkhill was spot on. Brooks right. Brooks was a phenomenal athlete who actually had some good moments in the NIT championship run, then fell back 
and then he doesn't get hurt against Illinois, and then in turn does not – if he does not get hurt in the Temple game, Penn State advances in the NCAA tournament 10 years ago. They were up by right. eight points when he goes out of that game. And he was playing great that it, day, so. And it was a fluke injury. I mean, yes. remember he went to block a shot, and he hit his – and I think it took him a long time to recover from that, it even did. in his professional career. But uh, seriously, I mean, I, I don't – you know, I was trying to look. And, you, again, you have a much better memory than I do on this stuff. But I'm trying to think of the most improved players over all these years that we've been covering Penn State. And, and I mean, Harris is right right up there. I mean, at, at the top, if not near the top, if not at the top. And then there, and then let's give Wheeler credit because Wheeler worked hard on elements yeah. of his game. Because, you know, as Dick Girardi always talks about, he said, we have a tendency to concentrate on what people can't do not what they can right. do. And Wheeler, we know what he can do, and I think he's expanded some things some people thought he couldn't do. How about that? Yeah, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think over the past, what, 10, 8, eight or 9 games, he's averaging 10 is, points he a game. And he, averaged, and he boosted his three-point shooting percentage by about 8 or 9 points. So, right. you know, as of going into the game yesterday, he was just a smidge behind Miles Dredd. I mean, you know, hundreds of a percentage point uh, behind Miles Dredd for the second best three point shooter in their regular rotation. So, yeah, there's obviously something to be said. But to me, he was kind of a steadying force throughout his career. Obviously, a defensive force the last couple few years. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's been a big part of it. Uh, but in terms of that improvement, you know, to see both of those guys do it during their senior year, I think was something special. Obviously, you're looking for people that, you know, you're looking for a steady performance from Myron Jones. You talked about John and Jamari. We all know Seth Lundy had 30 points in his previous seven games. He had 31 last night. What kind of X factor can he be this week in Indianapolis for them? And the thing is, Steve, it goes well beyond that, as you know. I mean, the thing that's been driving me a little bit crazy with Seth Lundy is when his shot doesn't fall, everything else disappears. That's exactly and right. And last night, yep. you know, last night he scores 31, great. He had five offensive rebounds. And listen, I don't care if he's missing a shot and putting it back in. That's an offensive rebound and he score. He had two steals. He got to the free throw line a couple times. These are all things that disappear when his shot's not falling. And I think the key for him is to get to the point where – even if the shot is not falling, you're not a complete liability out there on the floor. Exactly, and that's a that's a that's a maturation process. You know, I'm trying not to knock him, but yeah, the 31 points are great, and he kept Penn State in that game in the first half. Without him, that thing's a blowout. But moving forward, if he can score consistently, but then do all those other things, even if he's not scoring, and John Harris is the perfect example of that. How many field goals did John Harrah have last night? Zero. Right. He didn't have a field goal. Yeah. But he ends up getting his rebounds. He goes, what, uh, 7 of 10 from the line? And, you know, at the end of the game, they're getting the ball to him in the post, and he's drawing fouls. Right. That's what they need from Seth Lundy. When the shots don't go, everything else still keeps rolling. And if, if they could find that, we, we saw it. We've seen it. When, he's, when he has it rolling – we know what this team is capable of doing because he gives them an added dimension. He gives them a dimension of a guy who can hit a three-point shot, who could also take it to the basket, who can get to the free-throw line, and when he gets to the free-throw line, make his free-throws and rebound when he's getting after it. But look at his – it's amazing. You look at his game-by-game numbers, 
And when you see the small numbers in the scoring slot, you almost invariably look across and see small or no numbers in, in the other in every other category. Right. Exactly. Um, and it's uh, this team. This is not Northwestern because Northwestern started out three and zero in the Big Ten, then lost thirteen in a row, then they won their last three. Penn State, as you and I know, started out 0-5. I don't think people realize that they actually went 7-7 in their final 14. Yeah, and they're sitting there at what? Is it number 34 or something? Thir- Ken Palm and... 34 Ken Palm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... And that's, that's the other amazing thing. I think I, I did the numbers last night. In the net, they are the only team in the top 59, I want to say, that has a losing record. Yeah, I mean that's that's unbelievable, and I think there's only three teams, and we're probably getting in the in the weeds here. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because it'll be a shame if this team doesn't somehow make it into the NIT. Because you know, will, will the NIT take a team with a losing record? You know, I don't know. We just we just don't know that. At least I don't. Maybe you've heard something. I have no, not. I have not. I have not. Uh, but if you look at all the measurables. You know this team. It's it has. Uh, uh, you know everybody was like talking about Duke, Duke, Duke. If they were to beat Carolina, stack up Penn State's resume against Duke, and it's not even close. So and and again, I know we're talking about the NIT. A lot of people don't think it's a big thing, but I think for this team, after what it's endured, I think it would be a good reward for this team. Uh, will it happen? I don't know because I, yeah, I there are no automatic qualifiers for the NIT. Right. It's been reduced to sixteen teams. Will they demand a winning record? Who knows? So we'll we'll figure that out after the uh, after the Big Ten tournament. Plus, there might be teams that turn it down. So, uh, so right, right. Um, now, I want to get to football for a moment. Uh, spring practice will start a week from today. Uh, what does it mean to this team that they're having a spring practice, and what can it mean to the development that they're having spring practices? Yeah, I think we only have to look back to last year and what was lost that I didn't even realize at the time. I think I, I think I may have been on your show and admitted it, you know, during the fall that I don't think any of us anticipated how much missing spring practice was going to hurt that particular team with a new offensive coordinator and multiple new coaches on the offensive side of the football. So here you are uh, again. You have a new offensive coordinator. In your sitch, I think it's gigantic that they're going to be able to get him out there on the field with these guys. So to me, I don't think you could understate how important it is, especially on that side of the ball. Yeah, did you get a chance to talk to Anthony Poindexter today? We literally just got off yeah. the Zoom call yeah. with him, and he was he was terrific, as you might imagine. I mean, what have been your impressions of Mike Yursich just in conversation? Because obviously, we don't see practical, you know, the practical part of it yet. Uh, but in conversations with guy like Poindexter, Ty Howell, Mike Yursich, they've had a chance now to talk with the media. What's been your general impression of each? Well, Ty Howell, obviously, I knew a little bit uh, uh-huh. from from back during his playing days, and he was just exactly what you would think—the same smart, you know, funny, all those things going for him. Uh, Yersich, uh, you can tell he's got it going on, and I think the issue with Penn State is going to be how long before somebody comes looking at that guy as a head coach. Uh, you just look at his level of success and what he's been able to do, and Poindexter—you're talking about a Hall of Fame. Yeah, college player, 
but the perspective that he was able to give today, people may not realize this about Anthony, but he came back for his senior season at Virginia, at UVA, when he could have been a first-round draft pick. Right. I mean, he well may have been a first-round draft pick. Ends up blowing out his knee, and, and his, he's never the same. He plays a couple years in the NFL uh, as a special teams guy. And you know what? He was talking about it today, Steve. No regrets. You know, he wanted to stay in college, and guess what? You know, it ended up that he only played a couple years in the NFL, mostly as a special teams guy, as I noted. But that ended up allowing him to get into coaching, much earlier and look what he's been able to do from a coaching perspective so it's worked out well for him you know for his family obviously he lost a lot of money back in the back in the day which which was was not good but he now finds himself in a good place and it's pretty cool when you have a hall of fame player who gets on a call with us and says hey listen it's not about me it's about these players that, that that are on the team right now and what we can do to make them better you know, people were asking about his background, and he did t- go into that a little bit. But his focus clearly is, you know, not on uh, Anthony Poindexter, the Hall of Famer. It's Anthony Poindexter, the coach, and how he's going to make the guys in his room better. We are in an era where we'll hear about game of the century. This is always the building. Yeah. Game of the century. Here comes the game of the century, right? And then you'll hear about the moment of the century. And what? Well, Ali Frazier was 50 years ago today. Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Madison Square Garden in New York. When you walk in the inner area to the locker rooms, there's a great picture of Frazier putting Ali on the canvas in the 15th round with that left hook. Um, When you look back, I mean, that is the fight of the century, uh, of the 20th century. do you remember leading up to it? And then what are your thoughts 50 years later about it? The, the thing that amazed me about that was that Ali obviously was coming off of his nearly three-year layoff. It was a nearly four-year layoff yeah. um, for, for refusing to go into the draft, you know, a, a stand that people didn't, that most people didn't get at the time. And uh, amazingly, he fought, was it Jerry Quarry in October? Jerry, Jerry Quarry and then, and then Oscar Bonavena. In December. Yep. And then he fights Frazier. So those are his three fights. Now, people may not realize this, but Jerry Quarry and Bonavena Good were legitimate fighters. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they weren't great, but these were legitimate fighters. So he fights October, December, and then and then March. And Bonavena, you know, the, and Bonavena took him 15 rounds. Right, it was a TKO in the 15th. But to me, it's just, could you even imagine, like, now they talk oh. about boxing and a guy fights, like, once every three years. It's right. Like, are you kidding me? This guy fights three times in uh, six months. You know, these guys are like, hey, I'm ready. <laughs> it took you three right, years. But, right. but he's, and he's coming off of the layoff from, from not having fought. That yeah. was the amazing thing. The difficult part about that for Joe Frazier, you know I'm a Philadelphia guy, but at that time I really wasn't because my father was in the service and we traveled around around right. the country and around the world, frankly. So I was an all-league guy, and I still am an all-league guy. But I, I always thought the difficult part of that was the racial element that Ali played. You know, I think he even mm-hmm. admitted in later years that, that he went too far with some of that and portrayed Joe Frazier in ways that were completely unfair to Joe Frazier, but from a, a, from a pure fight standpoint, I think people talk about that being 
the classic matchup of styles. When they, you know, it's a cliche now that that styles make fights. Mm-hmm. Well, you had Joe Frazier, who was a power puncher, the left hook, the one that put Ali on the ground, and you had Ali, who was speed quickness, even though he was bigger, but had that unbelievable left jab. And the the, the difference for Ali, I think, coming out of that out of that layoff was that his foot speed was not what it was like. That's right. It was still it was still really good, but if you go back and look at him against Sonny Liston and Floyd Patterson and all those people, it's it's unbelievable. So he 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 still had the the super quick hands, but he didn't have the quick feet. But what everybody learned about Ali in that fight was how tough he was. So he may have gained more fans through sheer willpower because he was taking those body blows all fight. And I remember his jaw was all swelled up yeah. and uh, gets knocked down in the 15th and gets up within three seconds. Which by uh, a lot of guys would not have gotten up from that punch. Right, right. So, yeah, he lost that fight, but then he goes on. I mean, we know what happened after that. He goes on to beat uh, Frazier in two more unbelievable fights. Obviously, um, he beats George Foreman with a rope and open to thrill in Manila. But I actually was just reading something about it, I think, yesterday. And I have forgotten this part of it, Steve, but that after that fight, Frazier took such a beating, and he won the fight. Yeah. Frazier won the fight. He took such a beating, he was in the hospital for two to three weeks. That's how, that's how, how uh, brutal that fight was. So it was a whole different era with yeah. boxing. Boxing lost me when, when Tyson bit off Hollyfield's ear. Right. Uh, you know, that was it for me. I'm like, um, and you knew, you, you know, that I used to love watching boxing. Right. Uh, but that was, you know, I was a young kid at that time, but my, uh, my people I knew liked boxing, so I kind of liked boxing. But I always look back, and the, the one story about that fight of the century was that Frank Sinatra was yes. actually cre- cre- credentialed as a photographer for Life magazine yep. to shoot that. And I always wondered, there was probably some actual photographer for Life magazine who didn't get to shoot the, the fight of the century because Frank Sinatra <laughs> stole his photo pass. <laughs> it's actually a great shot of Ali and Frazier in the ring. And you can see Sinatra in the background taking pictures. So yeah. <laughs> you can actually see it. But you know what? It's it, And this is where I'm sure for Frazier it's always better for him. Um, and it had to be. When Ali was down and out, he was not getting financial help. He was not getting yeah. financial. He he they thought they thought he would get financial help, and he didn't. The one guy that kept floating him money was Frazier. Right? And that, yeah, and I think the, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, I think the issue with Ali was that he promoted he promoted obviously. he promoted too hard, and it it was all promotion. Right. It was all promotion, right. and he just took it too far. Right, and, and because there there are other stories that when he heard that that Frazier was in the hospital, yes. that he got down on his knees and was, was praying to Allah. I mean, I mean that. So, and I think it's completely understandable that that Frazier had trouble getting past that for a long time. I mean, the stuff before yeah. the thriller in Manila was was even worse. I mean, in, so in Manila, uh, in Manila, pushed it too far in Manila, Marvis Frazier, Joe's son. Ali found him. I think they were in the hallway, and he says, yeah. and he told him, he says, he says your father is a great fighter. He's a great man. He did tell him that. 
So yeah, well, that was a whole different era. I mean, yeah. I, I just it was those two. I mean, there were so many great fighters. I yeah. mean, and and they they all fought each other. That was the beauty of it. It's like it, I, it's, somehow they they were smart enough to make these fights, and it's again going back to the whole Tyson ear biting thing. Yeah, you know, I was a Tyson fan too, but the whole sport of boxing lost me off of that. But it is nice to reminisce about the '70s sure. because yeah, you know, the other thing about Ali Steve is he would fight on like regular TV. Like I, I don't know if it was that Jerry Corey yeah. fight. I, I I can't remember how many times I, I saw him fighting. Just on normal TV. Exactly. And they did that a lot. Mark, hey, thanks so much. I know we got to run here. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Dave Reps, the next half hour, brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. 2021 has begun, and this is the perfect time to make sure you're protecting what matters most. Whether it be you, your family, or your business, we have the experience and knowledge you need to help navigate through the process. Our office remains available to service our new and current clients by phone at 570-286-5855, by email, and by appointment. Purdy Insurance, what can we do for you?